Greetings and welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Our health podcast is dedicated to providing you with science-based knowledge to help you attain a happy and healthy life. Topics are from patient files and from questions from members, and chosen items are of general interest. Your specific topics can be handled through our question and answer section of the website. Okay, today we're going to talk about inflammation. It will be an introduction to inflammation because it's such a big topic. Now, everyone has inflammation, and the concept is a bit technical, but it's important to have a basic understanding. So today we're going to talk about what is inflammation, where does it come from, what does it do to us, and how to help control it. Now, inflammation is a name given to a very complex biological response of body tissues to harmful stimuli. We have two basic types of inflammation, acute and chronic And there seems to be a third type called inflammaging, which is a type for the elderly. We'll talk a little more about that one later. And inflammation is closely tied to oxidation. And there is another podcast I do on antioxidants, just as this one is on anti-inflammatory factors. Both of these are critical components of preventative medicine. Now, inflammation is characterized by five primary factors. You have heat pain, redness, swelling, and eventually loss of function. Now, these are visible to you in acute inflammation. If you got a bee sting or had a skin infection, you can see all of this going on. But chronic inflammation can be silent and is only detected by a blood test, which is known as the CRP test or C-reactive protein. All inflammation is part of the body's immune system and is an attempt to both protect and heal. The body is attempting to isolate the harmful stimuli and resolve the issue by eliminating it and initiating tissue repair. The medical term for a general inflammation will end in the suffix itis. So sinusitis would indicate an inflammation of the sinuses. Otitis would indicate an inflammation of the ear, etc. Known causes for acute inflammation include burns, frostbite, blunt or penetrating physical injury, a foreign body such as a splinter, trauma such as a cut or gunshot, ionizing radiation, infection by any pathogen, an immune reaction due to hypersensitivity, we call that an allergy, stress, chemical irritants, toxins of various types, alcohol, and yes, excitement can give you inflammation. Now, acute inflammation has an immediate onset and normally is resolved in a matter of days. It's known as resolution. However, it can also lead to abscess formation or chronic inflammation. Now, chronic can be many months or years and leads to tissue destruction, fibrosis, or necrosis. Chronic is usually caused by diabetes, cardiovascular disease, allergies of various types, COPD, obesity, smoking, stress, insufficient and poor diet are all causes for the, for the chronic. This is very interesting, and this is why we should be informed about this. A 2014 study indicated that 60% of Americans has at least one chronic inflammatory condition, and a whopping 42% of us had more than one. So inflammation is something to learn about, please. Let's focus for a moment on the loss of function aspect of both types of inflammation. 
Now, with acute, that can be scarring. A scar is a loss of normal function of the skin. If you get it from acne vulgaris, it is pitting or scarring of your face. If it's from burns, it can be unsightly and you can have large areas of scarring. Most surgeries leave some scar. If a large abscess formed, it can be a larger scar from the larger area of necrosis or tissue loss. The bites that we get from brown spiders will cause something like that. It'll be a little hole about the size of a marble or maybe even larger. Loss of function can also be caused by a neurological reflex in response to the pain of the wound. You just lose function because of the excessive pain that's been there for so long. Part of the tissue response is a release of histamine, cytokines, and postaglandins. Now, these are chemicals that are released as part of the response, and there are pharmaceutical agents that can help with relief from those actions. Most of you have probably taken an antihistamine at some time or another. The sneaky one here for loss of function is the chronic inflammation. This can be ongoing without you recognizing the symptoms, and inflammation is involved as either a cause or a major factor in many diseases. Atherosclerosis, which is, of course, hardening of the arteries, multiple allergies, various cancers, HIV and AIDS, heart disease, colitis, dermatitis, meningitis, rhinitis, sinusitis, urethritis, diabetes, COPD, asthma, arthritis, celiac disease, diverticulitis, rheumatoid arthritis, transplant rejection, and many others. So inflammation is a real disease problem for us. Also remember that severe inflammatory response is referred to as anaphylaxis, and that can be swiftly fatal. The chronic inflammation can cause a change in DNA, and that leads to the cancer complication. Those cells that have been inflamed are mutated and, become ca and can become cancerous. One of many factors involved in chronic inflammation is a factor called glycoprotein. If you listen to my podcast on diabetes, you will know that glycation of protein is a result of high sugar levels in the blood. Normal blood levels are in the 80 to 100 range. But eating a high sugar content food, which is also called a high glycemic food, causes spikes in blood sugar and it can get to 800 or more. Now, chemical reactions are controlled by three main factors, temperature, time, and concentration. In the body, temperature is more or less constant, and the reaction time is extremely short. It's in milliseconds. So the primary factor is concentration. When the sugar levels are high, it pushes the reaction towards glycation. And glycation is a chemical reaction between the blood glucose and any protein, especially your endotheliums. The reaction changes the protein somewhat either a little or a lot. But this is an important point now. That protein is now changed and can cause inflammation since it is no longer recognized as a normal body protein. It is now treated by the body as a foreign body and the inflammation reaction is initiated. The actual test for diabetes, known as the A1C, is actually a measurement of the glycation that has occurred in the red blood cells over a 90-day period. But remember that every protein in the body is affected. So your kidneys, the lining of your arteries, your heart cells, your brain cells, the retina of your eye, your lung alveoli, and all other proteins are slightly affected. And this has a low-grade inflammatory reaction going on, which includes 
causing reactive oxidation compounds. And this is the cause or factor in the many diseases affected. Now, there is also a science-based connection to inflammation and depression. Depression can be caused by inflammation, stress, violence, low hormones, deprivation of various types, viruses, bacteria, and even parasites. Level of inflammation causing cytokines increases sharply during depressive episodes of bipolar disorder and drop off during remission. That's an important point. The anti-inflammatory cytokines increase during depressive episode and drop off during remission. Also, taking anti-inflammatory medications in addition to the antidepressants significantly improves symptoms and also increases the proportion of patients responding positively to treatments. This should be used much more in the treatment of depression. I don't know, really know why it isn't. Now, there's a new word, inflammaging, it's spelled I-N-F-L-M-M-A-G-I-N-G. Inflammaging is a fairly recent science of inflammation. The science seems to have really been boosted by the COVID-19 events. Inflammaging is a chronic, low-grade inflammation that develops with advancing age and may contribute to many other age-related pathologies. It is thought to be caused by loss of control over your systemic inflammation, resulting in chronic overstimulation of your innate immune system. It has been shown to be a significant risk factor in mortality and morbidity in aged individuals. Now, there are dynamics such as genes, lifestyle, environment that contribute to these changes. A preliminary understanding of this new science helps with understanding why the COVID-19 has been so hard on the older people. Seems the normal immune response system becomes fragile and less precise with age, and that results in a poor ability to control inflammation. The adaptive immune systems decline with innate immune mechanisms becoming overactive and less precise, leading to a pro-inflammatory response that contributes to inflammaging. The elderly response results in a pro-inflammatory response and generation of reactive oxygen factors. This oxygenation results in damaged mitochondria. Other factors that contribute are insufficient sleep, overnutrition or poor nutrition, sensory overload, physical inactivity, altered gut microbiome, impaired intestinal epithelial barrier, which is known as the leaky gut syndrome, chronic stress, and of course, as we've discussed, glycation. Interestingly, a compound called interleukin-6 is a pro-inflammatory agent, and the concentration is very low or non-detectable in young adults and then levels increase in age and are very high in elderly. These high levels are associated with cognitive impairment, low locomotion, and depression. This is an ongoing science area to watch, and I hope some researcher really gets involved in that. It could lead to some wonderful information for us. This science has been strongly stimulated by the fact that in America, about 16.5% of the population is over 65 but 75% of the COVID deaths are in that group. Now, let, let's, let's cover that again. 75% of the deaths are occurring in a population of 16.5% of the total population. 
This science should help better understand diseases that are primarily of the elderly, such as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, arthritis, and others. As a factor in inflammation, lifestyle and nutritional choices are well recognized. So what can you do to help your personal outcome? Fortunately, we know quite a bit about anti-inflammatory foods and what to eat as well as to avo what to avoid. Here is some information. As anti-inflammatory foods, now these are the ones you want to eat a lot because it helps prevent inflammation. We have berries, such as strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, and blackberries. We have fatty fish, salmon, sardines, herring, mackerel, and anchovies. We have the cruciferous vegetables, which would be broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, cauliflower, and cabbage. We have avocados, green tea, peppers, both bell and chili, mushrooms, mainly truffles, portobello, and shiitake. We have grapes, turmeric, extra virgin olive oil, dark chocolate and cocoa, tomatoes, cherries, resveratrol, which is from grape skin. Now, these are some uh, supplements that are of great help for anti-inflammatory. Natural vitamin E, which would be the tocophenols, tocotrenols type. Vitamin B6, CoQ10, L-carnitine, B12, and folic acid. Purified fish oils, and of course, vitamin C. So all of those are anti-inflammatory compounds that you should focus on. Now, to avoid, we have the inflammatory types, and that would be anything fried in vegetable oils, of course, with the exception of olive oil or coconut oil. Oils with excessive omega-6, and this would pretty much be all of those vegetable oils other than those two. Meat from animals that are fed grains. It seems that feeding animals grains has a, has a fact and causes inflammatory meat. Refined flours sugar in any form, alcohol for adults, any dairy product, trans fats, which are a real bad one and very common, bread and other baked goods, processed meaty items such as hot dogs, chemical additives such as colorings or preservatives, corn syrup, which is an especially bad one, excessive salt intake, peanuts, agave, packed juices, which are basically pure sugar, and your food allergies that you know of, such as the most common ones, which are dairy, gluten, and nuts. So now that you know that, work to have your habits include those that help and avoid those that are causes. And remember that an anti-inflammatory agent is known as myokine, that's M-Y-O-K-I-N-E, and it is secreted by the skeletal muscles in response to exercise. So when you exercise, your body produces an anti-inflammatory agent. And high glycemic foods such as sugar cause glycation. So the glycation contributes to inflammation. So we're back to the basic preventative medicine, proper nutrition and exercise being primary factors in your health. I suggest that you tune into my other podcasts on antioxidants, diabetes, nutrition, sleep, and supplements for more information about these areas of your health. Remember, the purpose of these podcasts and our website is to provide you with science-based knowledge to help you be happy and healthy. Well, I hope you found our today's topics of interest to you. This is Victor B., your host, reminding you that our website, sciencebasedhealthandwellness.com, 
is dedicated to providing you with science-based knowledge to help you achieve your health goals. You can submit topics you would like discussed through the question and answer section of our website, and we invite you to become a member. So till next time, just a reminder, you make your habits, then your habits make you.